Okay, right? So, hi everyone, how you doing? I'm Ian Wright, and I want to tell you about Wright's House, my podcast on The Ringer. Twice a week, I'm joined by a rotating panel of guests to talk about football, films, life, and even cars. The film. <laughs> we give out flowers, we break down goals, and sometimes we talk about some serious topics around football and other sports. Come join us twice a week. Search for Wright's House on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Take it easy. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hunt. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm all right, thanks, man. I have no idea why you said it like that, but uh, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. Look at my late, look at my early evening glow. You see that? You are my, glowing. Yeah, my backlighting. You see that? <laughs> Good One marketing. of the only humans I didn't think was possible of any more glow ups. Has oh. <laughs> had yet another glow up. <laughs> uh, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, uh, yes. wherever you are in the world. Just a quick reminder: this week's schedule change. Right's house. Wednesday morning and Thursday morning or mm. Thursday lunchtime-ish. Uh, th- Thursday one will be a quick recap about Manchester City Arsenal and Wednesday morning will be a, um, a little recording of a live thing. And then Stadio will be Friday this week. Then next week, no Stadio on Monday, Wrighty's House on Tuesday, Wrighty's House on Wednesday and then Stadio on Thursday. So there you go. Oh, good. Other than that, go check out the press with Flo and all the gang for a detailed breakdown of the women's Champions League games this weekend. But we're going to do a quick roundup, aren't we, before we get into some stuff. We are. Today, our main bulk of topics will probably be Bundesliga title race. Yes. We're going to talk about Bayern losing again. We are. Also the Premier League, because there was obviously that massive Newcastle Spurs result. Mm. Also Arsenal dropping points on Friday. Yes. Big results down the bottom. We'll talk about some FA Cup fi- uh, semi-final stuff, but I think we'll do that now with this stuff. So Yeah, let's get into it quickly. Yeah. So a quick recap of some stuff from the weekend. Obviously, the Women's Champions League. Arsenal coming from 2-0 down away at Wolfsburg. Huge. To level the tie at 2-all going into, ahead of uh, the return leg at Emirates Stadium on, on Monday, which we're going to mm. be at. Yes, we are. Which I'm very excited about. In front of a record crowd in Wolfsburg. Yes. Even more impressive, yeah. Can I just shout out lots of women, Moy? Because yes, we have to. We have to. Lots of women why with a textbook example of Musok Wonga's Dawson's Law <laughs> in the fact that it's basically the pre-assist. The pre-assist is the most important part of that move. Yep. And Lotta's pass, which set up, which led to the setup for the goal, was yes, the absolutely yeah. incredible. And um, it's going to be an interesting few months for Lotto, I think, because obviously with the, the confirmation that Leah Williamson had ruptured her ACL, which is awful news, horrible, horrible news. And another, uh, another example of this in women's football, from a footballing point of view, there's going to be a lot on 
Lotta's shoulders, I think, now, mm. we're in, in terms of responsibility in the Arsenal defence and also at England. Um, Arsenal played a back three in this game with uh, uh, Lotta and Jem uh, Beattie and Raffaella, who made a awful mistake for the first, uh, for the second. It was, first, yes, second, was the, the second ball to go, wasn't it? The second, yeah, 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 yeah. Bad weekend for Arsenal uh, men's and women's teams, giving away very silly passes in their own box. And a good week for resilience at the same time. Funny yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. But can I say this as well? Arsenal women, just in, de- in their defence, uh, not to not to quote a pun or anything, in their defence, the injuries they've sustained. Mm-hmm. I actually thought the Kim Little injury would be even worse, even more significant than Mead and and Mead because when you're controlling tempo away from home, it's really tough. But mm. to come back as they did against Wolfsburg, I just can't praise that enough. That's an outstanding result, especially nice. given how Wolfsburg started that game because they have been really moving through the gears in the domestic league too. And they dispatched Bayern in the cup. Yeah. Extremely dangerous. Yeah. So great result for Arsenal there. I think it was like eight years since Wolfsburg last went 2-0 up and didn't win. Wow. Yeah. Goodness me. Like I think it's eight years. Eight. Uh, so yeah, great result for Arsenal. Not such a great result for Chelsea. No. Well, a good result considering the way that started, if that makes sense. A bit more. Yeah, absolutely. So not, no, not a great result, of course. But at the same time, it could have been a lot worse. Mm. Disconcerting to see Graham Hansen scoring so early on, but this is, you know, shout out to Flo. Flo said this, she said, look, Chelsea have to go direct and they did it and it had, had a calming effect. I think sometimes when teams don't go long, you know, they, we call it, these days we call it beating the press, but the old days we call it long ball. You know, but it is, you know, there was, you know, it is, there was a shame, even then, even the old days, there was a shame attached to long ball football, wasn't there? Yeah. But you know what the thing about the old days, Musa? They're the old the days. Old days. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of heads not going to get that. The young people are not going to get that, but that's a really good reference. That's a, that's a, a TV reference. The wire. The, uh, prop right. Uh, prop right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, there, there, there's always a shame attached, isn't there? Because it's almost an admission of defeat when you go long. But look, can I say this? Spurs had gone long. Actually, Spurs had gone long against Newcastle. I don't think we're seeing. We're going to get into that. We're going to get. Into we that. have to say that because that is a good point. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm only saying that now. We're putting a put a pin in that because there's a certain pride attached mm. to playing a certain way, and actually playing out from the back. I almost wonder if it's become. It's about. It's well. It's a cliche, but I wonder if it's become a bit of an Achilles heel for certain people because if people know you're not going to do anything different, they know exactly how to hunt you and where to hunt you. Spurs will get a lot of flack for this performance, rightly so. And at the same time, Newcastle generated a hurricane and sometimes there's no solution to a hurricane than to fly over and above it. Well, there's can you no fly solution. over and above it for now? Because we're going to do that after the break. We so are, let's just, uh, return back to Chelsea. Yes. And uh, stop getting ahead of yourself. Sorry. <laughs> All right. I'm trying to... Uh, there he is. There's the producer finger. I'm trying to produce this on the move. Can you uh, stay on track, please? <laughs> stay on target. Okay. So look, Chelsea, not with the worst result. They're only a goal down going to the second leg and they're still in this, which yeah, frankly, totally. would not, they would not have been still in this if it not opted for a more pragmatic approach. So shout out to Chelsea for actually making those adjustments because not every team does. Yes, second leg's playing next week. So uh, make sure yep. you check them out. And go and check out Nebrest, like we said, for more detailed breakdowns of the Women's Champions League. Absolutely. FA Cup semi-finals took place this weekend. One they was did. a bit of a... Procession. Yeah, with the... Well, although <laughs> although it took a penalty to get Manchester City open in the scoring. But mm. Mara's with a hat-trick. Uh, Manchester City cruising past Sheffield United into another final. Yes. Another trip to Wembley, where they will face Manchester United who saw off Brighton thanks to a penalty shootout. Oh, a cruel outcome. Solly March, the local boy, missing the decisive oh, penalty. That's heartbreaking. And also, like, it would have been their first final. Shout out to um, a couple of good friends of ours, big, big Brighton fans who would have enjoyed a big day out. I'm sure they would have got tickets mm-hmm. if they got to that final. Um, I think they were... They were, they were the better. I think they, they were the better side. They yeah. played the better football. Look, mm. the way they, do you know what it was? The quality of chance that Brighton generated was higher. And the wild thing is, I think three minutes in the end of extra time, there's a chance that Matoma, like there's a, t- Matoma gets played through. Mm. And if Matoma gets that pass a thousand times, over 990 times, 
he controls it perfectly and it's basically like a tap-in in the bottom right-hand corner and he takes a heavy touch. And I don't know if it's pressure. I don't know what it is. It could be anything. But the funny thing is I think Estupinan follows up and slashes it wide. Mm. That was a very good chance too, actually, because yeah. De Gea was beaten. So Brighton really had an excellent chance, three minutes in the end, to just claim this whole thing. And unfortunately now it will go down as the kind of modern version of the Gordon Smith moment and Smith must score in 83 because look, Brighton, I'm not trying to say that to sound like to rub that in. It's just more like I felt like Brighton generated the chances to take that both in normal time and an extra mm, time. Yeah, so, I agree. So it is kind of, you know, it's heartbreaking for them. It's another cup final for United, obviously, and it sets up a derby um, in the final, which will lead to plenty of hashtag narrative. Oh, I'm sure. it's, it's, it's going to ramp up. It is. It's going to be the first Manchester derby in the FA Cup final. Is it the first ever de- narrative cup final? No. It's not, though. It's the narrative FA Cup final. It's not. <laughs> I'm just being ridiculous. You know what? It's the League Cup final. The League Cup final with Mourinho finger on the lips. That was oh, actually... Yeah, that was, yeah. <laughs> any final involving Mourinho, basically. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's usually running around cupping his ear to someone at some point. <laughs> yeah, I thought Brighton were a little bit unlucky. Um, but, I mean, for Manchester United, even though they haven't been in the best patch of form since the League Cup final, two Cup finals in his, in his, day, in his first season is massive for, for Ten Hag it is it is. And they're going to qualify for the Champions League aren't they it looks like especially after that disappointment against Sevilla yes big comeback and shout out as well to Sancho and Rashford for two outstanding penalties in the shootout especially since the last time they turned up at Wembley mm. you know had penalties there so that was big for them and just I don't know just a big thing all round <laughs> we talk about the FA Cup being a really useful indicator milestone marker for where you are in a season but after a 7-0 loss to Liverpool and then the loss to Sevilla, the chance to get something in the form of an FA Cup is, is a really big deal, actually, yeah. at this point. So credit to Ten Hag for that, definitely. And for hanging in there at a time when Brighton looked like they might run away with it early on, yeah, to be definitely. honest. Yeah. Um, for Brighton, do you feel that this is one of those kind of like glorious defeats? Yes, and it's quite exciting for them just because they've got so much more to come. Mm. Like, the reason I'm not despondent for Brighton as I might have been, you know, 15, 20 years ago is because this golden age they're in right now, Dude. there's no reason why it has to end. Do you know what? Do you know what? When Deserby, uh, when Deserby joined and you and I were super excited about it, yeah. it's been better than I thought it would be. I, likewise. It's been and I thought it was going to be, I expected a lot and I knew it was going to be mega fun. It's been even better. And also as well, you imagine now the quality of player Mm. who is proactively getting in touch with Brighton through their agent going, I want to play for this man. Mm -hmm. Because two years, you look at, even look at like, you know, players aren't stupid. They're understanding player development so well. You look at Hudson-Odoi, for example, he's over Mm -hmm. at Leverkusen, 14 games in the league, no goals yet, right? And struggling to really get into regular rotation. Development is so important. You look at like the young players now and the way that Deserbi is working with them and the way that Potter did before. You are absolutely, if you're a young player, if you're a young player or a really experienced one, you are falling over yourself to play for this man for at least two years. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a win-win. It's a win-win for the club because a club can pay you, Brighton can pay you really good, they can pay a competitive salary for those couple of years you'll be there. Maybe not in the long term because other clubs have got huge amounts of money. They can pay a competitive salary for two years and then you can bounce. Mm. And there's a huge sell-on fee and everyone's a winner. I mean, it's just an absolute... And they're going to, I have to just talk about this. Brighton can keep, this model can be replicated year in, year out. Alexis McAllister, spectacular player, very, very good again against United. He may go in the summer, but he'll go with Brighton's blessing. Mm. That's the thing about it. It's not a club and where people are bitter about him. Yeah, yeah, they will. But can you imagine like, the, I really want deserve it at the end of the season to be the polar opposite. Kind of it's like, he's like, we can yeah, McAllister him. will leave, but we can absolutely replace him. We, we can, can absolutely replace him. Replace him. <laughs> the thing that I loved about this, uh, Miguel Delaney wrote a tweet from the press conference saying that um, Deserby told Solly March that they only reached Wembley due to his performances and that he was proud of him. I love that. It's so cute, isn't it? I love, it's perfect. And yeah. it's true, but it also to express it, yeah. Solly March this year, and I just- He's been amazing, man. Spectacular. Like, what a joy yeah. to watch. Yeah. And um, yeah. listen, some of the greatest players of all time have missed Panoyes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Elsewhere, let's do a quick couple of bits before we sure. 
move on. Um, Napoli beat Juve. Oh Last my God. minute winner from Raspadori. What, was it like, it was 93rd minute 93rd winner from Raspadori. My God. What Ryan. a winner as well. Hey, listen, <sighs> we said the other day that they needed to kind of get a result, really. They did, they didn't. Look, I, I, I love Raspadori and there was a game where he wasn't started. They started someone else. I think Elmas is a false nine. Oh, I, yeah, didn't yeah. Li- I didn't like that because Raspadori- The first leg of the Champions League, wasn't it? He scored some really important goals, f- not only for Napoli, but for Italy down the stretch, you know, in big games, you know, big, big games. So I was a bit um, frustrated for him. He didn't get his chance. And to win this against Juventus, mm. who've just got their 15 points restored, not just in terms of what it meant in terms of the league, but emotionally, in terms of the catharsis, North versus South, you know, the South that gets looked down on versus, I mean, talk about a narrative game and to win that in those conditions, absolutely spectacular for Napoli. That if you saw um, Anguisa, Zambo Anguisa's Instagram, Mamma Mia. he posted the picture of all the kind of the motorbikes <laughs> <laughs> going through the tunnel, celebrating Napoli's imminent triumph uh, in the title race. But yeah, they can see it next weekend. Yeah, huge win for them. They really needed that. Their third yeah. ever Scudetto. After what's weekend. been a, ba- a bad month overall. Yeah. But a funny thing actually for Napoli, the Champions League in a way, maybe has always been a bit of a bonus. Yeah. But the Scudetto, that is the, that's the meal. That's the main meal. So mm-hmm. shout out to them. Great win. Juventus as well played some fantastic stuff. Di Maria could have got a late winner. It was ruled up because of a foul in the build-up. And actually Juventus, despite only having like about 40% possession throughout the game, created the bulk of chances and looked very, very good in a way Mm. that was quite a good trailer, I think, for how they might perform next season. Like Juventus, Juventus start the season like they've played much of the final third of this season. Dude, next weekend in Serie A, it's going to be madness because um, Lazio... Who lost? Lost at home to Torino on the weekend, right? Big defeat that. Roma have got uh, Atalanta tonight. Mm. Um, so we're recording this ahead of that game. You'll you'll know the result by the time you hear this. But then on the weekend, Lazio go to Inter. So huge. And Juve go to Bologna. So there is a real possibility that despite all of the shit that has gone on this weekend, uh, this year, this time next week, Juve could be second. And Inter showing serious signs of life. Lukaku is resurgent. He looked good against Empoli. The thing that's weird about that is that obviously like it's a, in, uh, Juve had their points restored for now, mm. but Paratici is no longer at Spurs because his ban was upheld. His appeal was, up, uh, was rejected. So he's yeah. left Spurs. We'll talk about Spurs again in a bit. But it must be, it was so when that happened, we were talking about it, how, how weird that must be for the teams chasing Champions League being like, well, actually, do we need to push now or are they just going to get the, the points taken race? off him again? Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. It's kind of wild, huh? And to have the points, look, it's, it's academic now because Napoli won, but mm. Juve had their points restored just before the Napoli game. Yeah. That's a big deal. Like, and all of Napoli a sudden, like, who cares? Right, they came in and they cooked, so respect to them for that. Big, big, big. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Uh, PSG beating uh, Angers 2-1 on Friday night. It was pretty much as you were, I think, at the top of... Uh, uh, league. Uh, this is an otherworldly pass from Messi from Mbappe. Second was, oh my God. So good. Uh, just Monaco losing to Lons. So the top three as you were, but Monaco falling away from mm. Lons. Uh, in other news, Wrexham got promoted from the National League. They did indeed. Congratulations to them. I mean, it was inevitable really, right? It was, it was, it was. There's a big gap between them and a lot of National League sides. And I, I think I, the only thing that I hope happens is that the, the attention on the National League remains because there's, there's a lot of hype around Wrexham, right? And obviously mm. when stuff like that gets hyped, it's going to get pushed back. But one yeah. of the things that they deserve a lot of credit for is actually making sure that the eyes are elsewhere in the National League and not just on Wrexham. Like, for example, Notts County put a tweet out earlier for next season's season tickets mm. and Rob McElhenney retweeted it, quote tweeted it, and basically was just like, Notts County are one of the most exciting clubs in any sport. It's incredible how close they ran them. It's incredible, actually. Yeah. All right, let's get on to the Premier League after this. Let's do it. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, man. Um, do we begin at St. James's Park? I think we have to. Yeah, yeah. An absolutely wild result. Yes. Newcastle 6, Spurs 1. 5-0 after 21 minutes. Now, so Newcastle were exceptional in terms of their attack, their press in the opening minutes. And you saw that. You saw that. And the thing I'll criticise Spurs for most, I think, in this is actually a tactical naivety. So when they understood just how intense the Newcastle press was, they didn't take the precaution of just going long. Mm. They kept trying to play through. And unfortunately, like Newcastle closed all the gaps, maybe because they knew that Spurs wouldn't change their formula. I don't know. But look, I mean, first of all, Newcastle, like the third goal in particular, um, which from Murphy was outstanding. The drive from distance, you can't legislate for that. But what you can do is you can arrest the build up. And there was a lot of talk about Spurs' lack of effort. It's always hard for me to speak to a team not trying. What I think I will say is that if you look at the two games where teams have been blown away this season in the most recent weeks, United against Liverpool and the Spurs game, the Spurs-Newcastle, yes, there are cases where players could acquit themselves more in 50-50s, but the more common problem in both the Liverpool game uh, and the Newcastle game now was people seeing very clearly that something was broken and then not fixing it. If that makes sense. Mm. So maybe start with that. I think that's what I took from the game. Yeah. I mean, I think that we, with games like this and results like this, it's always really easy to focus on the side that has taken the hammering. Mm. We will have to talk about that because I feel like this game is, it's, it's quite symbolic for Spurs. Mm. But I think from a Newcastle point of view, and obviously this goes with, you know, I mean, Newcastle beat Spurs 5-1 a few years ago, right? Like mm. on, was it final game, final day of the season? Yeah. I think. and. So, you know, they have had results like this against Spurs or in the Premier League without the investment. But I feel like this, you know, Newcastle are a different, a different beast now than yes. they were last year, the year before. And I think they're obviously way ahead of schedule. We knew that as soon as the takeover happened that it was a matter of time before they pushed for Champions League, uh, qualify for the Champions League, won something. It's just, it's... It's the nature of investment. It's inevitable, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, I think they're they're obviously way ahead of schedule. And the the football that they played in this game, I think, is actually the best I've seen them play this season. Because for all of the investment, I feel like some of the football they've played has been quite disappointing at times. Mm. This felt like the first time they really unleashed. I'd say unleashed because it was isn't isn't the first time they've gone at a team like that. Um. It is a horrible, horrible feeling to be on the end of when you're yeah. a team who is pushing for Champions League. Um, because I feel like teams who have struggled, obviously, every, every team has been on the end of a hiding at some point. But when you're pushing for Champions League and you're in a bit of a season full of disillusion, let's say, you know, yeah, the manager's yeah. gone, there's not really an identity at the club anymore. Obviously, the stuff with Paratigi, club feels a bit directionless, feels like it's coming to the end of a cycle. And you kind of know that a result like this is coming at some point. Mm. It's a weird thing to explain, right? Because it's such, no, a sh- it. it's such a shock when it happens. But I bet you if you ask some Spurs fans, like Seb Stafford-Bloor, for example, before the game had even started, was like, Spurs are one or down already. Romero's already got a yellow card. Yeah. And this, this was, was three hours before kickoff, I think. We have been accused of being a bit too generous to Spurs in our analysis. Um, I just think that I, I don't. I don't like to presume that players are going out there without any. With I don't think players will go out in front of sixty thousand fans and go. We want to endure a humiliation for ninety minutes. No. I don't think that's the headspace. I think what happens is there's something which I will criticise Spurs for, which is when you understand how a game is developing, and at two nil down, I'm not even going to judge the one nil because like an early loss, going a goal down against Newcastle early on, it can happen to any team, right? with that atmosphere, that quality of forward line, that press. When you understand that a thrashing is happening, I think the real thing is at the 2-0. Okay, like when the 2-0 is happening, like, okay, this could be brutal. That is when you start employing whatever you have to employ within the boundaries of the law to slow the game down, seek the corners, get some respite. That, I think, is the key. So I think Spurs failed to manage the game. Same with United against Liverpool and Anfield. That's the thing I'm most critical of. And you see a lot of that. We've seen a lot of that in the Premier League. Like 
because teams have these incredible resources in attack, if you turn up at 40% and the other team turns up at 100, you're going to get absolutely crushed. We should fully expect more of this, you know, in the next few months from teams that turn up like 50%, and the other team turns up like going all in because like elite talents like Isaac, they will feast on you. Well, the they first goal feast. basically set the tone for the whole game. Did in the fact that like Joe Linton, who wasn't exactly being the trickiest winger in the world, somehow ends up in the Spurs box and everyone just kind across, of stood, yeah. al- stood yeah. around just and like allows him to get a shot away. To be honest, he probably should have scored. Yeah, actually. agreed, agreed. The position that he, the opening that he made, he basically waltzes across the face of the 18-yard box in the penalty spot. And at that point, you're right, the opening that he creates, he should have finished that off. Yeah. And so really, yeah, you're right. They set the tone. They were, they were hesitant Spurs. They were reluctant to sort of go in, commit themselves. And that set the tone. And not being funny, but if you're, if you're hesitating to engage in a 50-50 yeah. at St. James's Park as the away side, you're gonna get it's going it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to be like, a long afternoon or evening. Like, happened to Arsenal last season, the back end of last season. Like they just yep. got, they just got like yep. out four, which sounds like a massive proper football man thing to say, but yep. it was like they just did. And you saw it for the second goal. Fabian Scher uh, is just like allowed to ping this ball over the top and no one really does anything. They just kind right. of look around being like, oh, there's a, there's a, oh, there's a, there's a ball going over us. This is cool. You know what I mean? And, yeah, and then Joel right, Linton totally. is just there again, allowed to kind of ghost in, goes around the keeper, scores, it's 2-0 and it's like, what the fuck? And then like, at 3-0, Jacob Murphy pings that one in. Was it Will- the Will- it. It's a Willock pass. The Willock he, pass. That, this yeah. is what I was going to say, because that yeah. goal is obviously an unbelievable goal. And it's 3-0 at nine minutes. And then this Willock pass for the fourth is basically the kind of thing that you do after 20 minutes when you're 3-0 up against the side. It is. It is. If that's 0-0 and the game's really tight, you take a touch. But the thing is, he lets the ball roll across his body. And then, and it is, it's almost so easy from, for Newcastle at that point. It turns into a training session. It does. They were doing Olays half an hour in. That's the humiliating part about it, is that for the two Isaac goals, they were essentially just fucking around. Yeah. To and see Spurs, what kind of a great goal it was. Spurs found, Spurs found out. Well, they did. Brutal. So it's 5-0 at half time. It's 5-0 after 21 minutes, and it somehow yep. stays that way until half time. Stellini makes a change. Could have been six actually. In the, it could have been six in the first yeah. half. I think brings off Papi Sarr, brings on Davinson Sanchez, and switches to three at the back because Spurs have changed this four at the back thing, which it doesn't feel like Spurs have played this way for like two years, maybe even longer. So I'm not entirely sure why they did it now. God knows what Pedro Porro must be thinking. Well, the thing is, do you do it when you have Perisic as the left back, and then you go to this three at the back? So you've changed it again already. You had to like hook someone after 20 minutes like this this just felt like the the kind of statement game that a side who or a club that has basically just it's essentially just there is a vacuum of responsibility at Tottenham Hotspur at the moment yeah and it shows you actually how important structure hierarchy head coach because if everything just falls apart and all there is really is vibes, I feel like this is, you know, when there's like a, when a club in crisis has a crisis game and there's almost yes. like a moment when you're like, can it get any worse than this? I think in the manner that this happened, the only positive for Spurs fans now is that I genuinely don't think it could have got any worse than, or it can get worse than what happened on the weekend. I don't think it can get worse because there's only variations of terrible. There's only variations, and this is basically like one variation of absolutely terrible. This is, you're right, this is the absolute lowest because any Spurs fan can now point at this and say, look, this is where we are. But crucially, at board level, privately, because, you know, there are Spurs fans on the board, well, at least one in the form of Levy, they can look at that and be like, yeah, this is, um, this is an absolute mess. And this isn't, this isn't a player failure. This is a systemic failure. It's a yeah. systemic failure. That's what it is. The fear of the Spurs job now for a manager is not knowing about the future of Kane and Son. So like you take that job and all of a sudden Spurs' squad is radically different because you lose a nine. Look what losing Lewandowski's done to Bayern. Look what it's done. It's pulled them right back into the chasing pack with everyone else. It really, really has. It's been this over, you know, we, if anything, we've still understated the impact of Lewandowski on that league. And I think, you know, losing Kane 
which is something which really could happen. And frankly, after a result like that, you know, Spurs are even further from winning the kinds of things that a club of that size should be looking at winning. So Kane might be out the door. It's really, it's a job that for some, for a huge manager, it has a certain peril attached to it. Mm. It's not like you're walking in there with like guaranteed goals. It's not like, for example, I hate to throw shade, but it's not like they've got a Bamiyang in the dressing room to get on the end of all these chances they're creating. So, you know, well, some might say what chances, but still. So yeah, it's a bleak one for Spurs because they were kind of in that mid-level of, everyone knows they need a big manager, but a big manager is going to lead a lot of assurances to take that job. And can the big manager be comfortable they'll get the assurances? It's, you know what I mean? It's, it's a really, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Um, breaking news, Musa, while we're recording this. Yes. With the weirdest title. Are you ready? Club update from Daniel. I mean, <laughs> yikes. Big yikes. Sunday's performance against Newcastle was wholly unacceptable. It was devastating to see. We can look at many reasons why it happened. And whilst myself, the board, the coaches and players must all take collective responsibility, ultimately, the responsibility is mine. Therefore, there isn't a therefore, but that's my own little segue. I'm going to sack someone else. Christian will leave his current role along with his coaching staff. Christian stepped in at a difficult point in our season. I want to thank him for the professional manner in which he and his coaching staff have conducted themselves during such a challenging time. We wish him and his staff well. Ryan Mason will take over head coach duties with immediate effect. Ryan knows the club and the players well. He knows the club. We shall update further on his coaching staff in due course. I met with the player committee today. The squad is determined to pull together to ensure the strongest possible finish to the season. We are all clear. We need to deliver performances which earn your amazing support. Come on, you Spurs. Daniel. I mean, Should have just given it to Ryan Mason anyway. If you're going to go down the interim manager route, just give it to Ryan Mason at the jump. From the, from the from beginning. Why? From the beginning. Anyway. So there you go. Extraordinary, extraordinary scenes. Extraordinary scenes. So that was the club update from Daniel. It was. It was. Let's loop it back to Newcastle before we move on from this. So uh, they're yep. currently third. Uh, level on points for Manchester United. Far superior goal difference. Manchester United got a game in hand. Uh, which And Manchester United's next game is actually against Spurs at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Do you know what's going to happen there? Spurs are going to win 2-0. <laughs> it's just it's nailed on isn't it it is it is it is do you know it what is. I mean it's like it it's absolutely nailed on very much so yeah <laughs> yeah it is it is the interesting thing here though if you look at Brighton they've got two games in hand on Newcastle they're only 10 points behind not the worst margin haven't they got United and um, yeah they've got quite a tricky running they've got, they, uh, they've got Arsenal as well at home which are those the, me, that's three points there and they what, what's the uh, they've got United that's three points and they've got City as well it's probably three points as well. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so they've got City. Nine points for Brighton. The, the, way, this, the way this Brighton is playing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there is, this, the way this way is Brighton. Still in the shot of the league, aren't they? <laughs> that was actually not, that was not shading any of those clubs. It was just praising Brighton. No, I mean, you um, shaded one that you support and you shaded one that I support. It's fine. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's allowed. Interesting to see how they, how decisive Brighton might be in the, in the run-in, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, they host, uh, no, they go to Arsenal on the 14th of May and then they host Manchester City on the 24th of May so if the title is still alive by that point that is a nasty fixture to go in that is not a game you want not with the title <laughs> because you know that Brighton will take particular pleasure yeah I mean City will probably have it wrapped up by then. but here's the, here's the thing I will say before we move on from Brighton you know that Pep was absolutely loving the idea of playing Deserby in the final at Wembley Pep was loving that he was yeah I think it. he was probably a little bit like oh, I'd rather not though I'd yeah, but in, but in that but in, in that kind of pep way of like, yeah. I hate it, but I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we mentioned that. Uh, well, I mentioned that maybe the league might be wrapped up by then, and that is because Arsenal have recorded their third successive draw in the Premier League. Uh, but they didn't go two 0 up this time. They were two 0 down though. Mm. To be honest, even though they were somehow inexplicably two 0 down against Southampton, and then three one down against Southampton. This was a game they really should have won. They had enough chances to win. I was talking to Southampton Rob this weekend and uh, he was just like, yeah, yeah, you absolutely should have won this game. Yes. Um, very frustrating. Um, but also, 
you made a great point about how that point might end up being really important, the equaliser. Oh my God, it's super important. The Saka equaliser. Can I just say, I have one criticism of Arsenal in the late stages of this game. One criticism. So they come back to three all. That's incredible, right? They should have given Martin Odegaard the ball every single time they had it in the final third because this man, what he was doing from the 3-1 to the 3-3 and beyond, every time he had possession, he was winning something drawing one or two players. And there was a period of about four minutes in like extra t- injury time when it didn't give him possession. I'm like, he's the guy doing everything. So my one criticism would be like, you need to keep just feeding the beast. You know, when like um, Neymar, when PSG had that, when Barcelona had that incredible comeback against PSG and Messi was just like, also was not playing that well, but he was like, it's the Neymar show. Mm. And just stepped back. And I think my one thing was, I think if Arsenal had have allowed it to become the Martin show, I think they might even have won that actually. Yeah, and that's a very, very small margins, but I'm just saying really good. He was extraordinary. Like, yeah. I think there's a couple of decisions for Mikel Arteta to make coming up because uh, I wonder whether Jorginho gets a run in midfield. Arsenal really miss Xhaka. I really hope he's back for the City game this week. But I also Ooh. think Trossard. Trossard starting was quite a big look for Arsenal and he did really, really well at any, in any of the position, maybe apart from well, he still did okay on the right-hand side, but mm. he was more effective centrally or on the left. There are options there at, his, at Mikhail Arteta's disposal. I feel like he should lean into them a little bit more going into the season because there have been times occasionally when he's, when, when you know, shit started to get real that he's got a little bit more conservative. The, the thing is that you're basically seeing just the accumulative effect of missing a couple of really, really big players at a really bad time. You know, yeah, like losing true. William Saliba now is it's huge huge and then losing Tommy Asu on top of that which is your second option no disrespect to Rob Holding we love Rob Holding but yeah, when the games are coming thick and fast like this and they're really really important it's tough to lose a little bit of depth at this, yeah. this stage of the season and you know Eddie Nketiah coming back in like he's yeah. been out for a little while under the radar but still the title is in Arsenal's hands still it is also in Manchester City's hands unfortunately and yes. uh a big game coming up this week. So we'll talk about that uh, later in the week on Wright's House and on Stadio, I imagine. Friday, yes. Um, just some quick shouts to Fulham, beating Leeds, back to winning, back to a good run of form again. And re- another really good point for Villa away at Brentford. Yes. Um, late equaliser, very late. Very, very late. Um, actually, just a, a quick shout while we're here. Um, Leicester beating Wolves. That's really important for them. Mm. The 2-1 there. Palace getting, Everton getting a draw at Palace. <laughs> Everton, still in a bit of peril. I mean, the they're level on points with Leicester. They're a point behind Leeds. There's, uh, they're five behind Bournemouth now. Like Bournemouth, I mean, Bournemouth losing to West Ham on the weekend was a, a massive result for the rest of the people down the bottom because Bournemouth had, had back-to-back wins. They had three in their last four before that. West Ham producing the kind of performance that their quality you come to expect from the quality they have in their squad I would say and that's fair to say 10 points in the last 5 games that's pulled them away from that yeah yeah that's, 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 that's the level they should be performing at not, not to be negative like that was a great performance from West Ham more of the same because that's what they're capable of if yeah. that's fair I mean the, yeah. the, the thing about this coming weekend is that Southampton host Bournemouth Wow, the derby. Leicester go to Leeds. Big, big weekend. Intense. But that, like we mentioned, West Ham's 4-0 win against Bournemouth. That was a massive, massive result for West Ham. Huge and I feel like they're, I think like they're good now. Yeah, they should be safe. Should be safe. Yeah. Um, also, shouts to Liverpool beating Forest. 3-2. Yeah, good enough for them, yep. Two for Diogo Jota. One for Mo Salah. Funny season though for Liverpool. Like they obviously good to see them scoring uh, through their established players. But um, yeah, just such a, such a mixed bag. There was a great Klopp interview actually where he was just like, I take full responsibility for what's happened mm. this year. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I love, yeah, I love loved, that. loved that. Loved that. He's so good at just diffusing so much of the, the noise, isn't mm. he? This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. 
It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. All right, before we go, should we talk about Bayern? Yes, we have to. Should we talk about the Bundesliga title race? Because... Yeah, big news in the Bundesliga is that Bo Svensson has achieved his third home victory over Bayern with Mainz. What was that What was our old t-shirt we were going to do? Wenn du ein Problem hast, dann rufe mich an. Yes, exactly. Better call Bo. Call Bo, better call Bo. So yeah, he's... um. Bruce Fenton's in his bag. Mainz beat Bayern 3-1, having gone a goal down. Sadio Mane got the opener. But Mainz came back with a force. And it's really interesting now because Dortmund beat um, Eintracht Frankfurt 4-0. It's a big win this for Dortmund. It's they huge. were really not, good as well. Not just the margin, but like, see, we talked about like Dortmund yeah. getting the worst injuries, worst of all time. Adam Adeyemi was a terrible injury for the Champions League because he was so good in the Champions League until that injury but Alaire's now back in the mix. They've got their full suite of players back and ready and firing. And they're brilliant. Bellingham, a couple of rocky weeks. Looked great again. Brandt, just the orchestrator against Eintracht. And a very good Eintracht team got blown away by a brilliant Dortmund. And this is the thing, right? The reason such a big victory is because Dortmund went into this game knowing what they had to get, right? And that's very often been a thing we criticised them for before. Not just in this podcast, but other places criticise Dortmund for not taking advantage of a, a positive situation. And knowing, seeing the Bayern result and thinking, we've got our way back into this title race and they just absolutely, they were spectacular. The scoring was done by about an hour in, wasn't it? Yeah, man, they were mega. Daniel Marlin, six in five games. Sensational. Just and that's great. Hitting good, because hitting good, he's had a, like, a tricky start to life at Dortmund. Goal scoring start, yes. His movement's been superb. Um, mm. We have to talk about that. But his finishing, his goal scoring is always a bit more pressure because, look, scoring consistently in front of 80,000 people is not easy for anyone, but he's now got a taste for it, yep. which is wonderful to see. But do we need to talk about Bayern? A little bit. Look, just the Sadio Mane signing, people feeling it hasn't worked out. Sadio Mane at... Bayern is a bit like Bergkamp at Inter. If you're playing a second striker as a primary focus, you're not getting the best out of that striker or that forward, right? Sadio Mane at his absolute best is a foil, right? He's a foil for someone who's making more of the attacking moves and he plays off someone. He scored seven Bundesliga goals, which is not a huge amount. If Sadio Mane is playing off an established nine and not just the kind of Chupa Moting who's very good, but not, not the one that the difference maker let's say that, the difference maker at a consistent week in, week out. You know, the difference maker being as one of five strikers in the world that can do that. If Sadio Mane is playing off someone like that, then it's a different story. Bayern's problem is similar to Chelsea's problem is actually the lack of a fixed point in the attack. Someone like, ironically enough, an Aubameyang for Bayern, I think this is a very different story but because they haven't had that consistent focus all year. That attack is, is disorganized, right? And the mm. build-up play. And so it took us now finding that. And not only that, you've got poor performances from some of your defenders, but also like Goretzka's form is really not what it was. You know, Goretzka against Mainz, some really bad misplaced passes, some struggle there. Like there's just a bit of a mix up at the moment in, in Bayern. There's a bit of a mess there and it's not a, um, it's not something which should be easily remedied. And I think that Lewandowski's goal scoring at that volume papered over a lot of cracks a lot of cracks yeah I mean he's, he's got uh, he's basically on about half a goal per 90 mm. it's the shortfall it's the shortfall like Lewandowski was such a statistical freak mm. that he broke 
he broke perception of what Bayern were actually doing. I remember we would talk about games and Bayern were winning certain leagues in a row from a distance. You're like, oh, they won X, Y, Z in a row. It's like, yeah, but... The amount Peyton of times they get out of trouble against like an Augsburg or something like that. Uh, he did that yeah, all they, the time. All the time. He did all allow Bayern to play really, really badly. In fact, a lot of that happened under Nagelsmann. There was a lot of like really ropey moments and Lewandowski got him out of trouble. They got away with a lot. So, you know, and that's not like, it's not one, one person, but a lot, big part of it. When you see, when you see Tuchel starting Thomas Muller as the out and out nine, then you know that something's up with the other forwards because Thomas Muller should not, in a well-functioning Bayern team, Thomas Muller should not be the primary centre forward. That shouldn't be happening. So he's got to go in and do all this rewiring of the Bayern attack. I'm not sure if he makes that rewiring necessarily in time. I mean, there's still plenty of football to go. There's what, five games to go now uh, in this title race. Mm -hmm. But I'm interested in what happens beyond this season. You know, when the opening, when the um, opening goal goes in and the camera goes straight to Salahamazic and Khan, you look at them and go, are you on Tuchel's level? Mm. Did Tuchel really leave Chelsea or get sacked in order to come to another place where the executive structure is suboptimal? I don't think he did. So I'm very interested to see what the Bayern hierarchy does in the months to come because Salahamazic and Khan, they're not it, Ryan. They're not it. Well, I think the problem at the moment is that you just, Bayern just don't look themselves. Like, they just don't really look like a, um, a cohesive unit, which is really bizarre. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not actually bizarre because you fired a guy who was in contention for winning the treble this season. Mm. And I, I think, yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before. It was weird at the time. I can kind of understand if you're not wild about the guy, but save it to the end of the season. Yeah. And the fact that Bayern blinked here because they thought that they might miss out on Thomas Tuchel again. Like, I'm sorry, but this is such short-term thinking, especially yeah. when you're pre prepared to pull the plug on the project with a manager that you paid like essentially a world record transfer fee for. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's reckless, if I'm being honest. I agree. I agree. What, five, six games, seven games later, they're behind in the title race. They're out of the two competitions of the three and they're not playing very well. And they might still win the league this season, but it would be despite everything that yeah. they've done, not because the, of it. The meddling at board level. Yeah. And they've been, Dortmund, to their credit, have been really resilient. Yeah, they have. Yeah, the, yeah. the loss of Allaire. Allaire yeah. was basically perfect for that system. Um, he didn't start the season. They lost Adeyemi. They lost a bunch of players and they actually managed to hang tough. And, they, you know, they, they adapted well to some pretty humiliating setbacks. You look at the, I mean, look at that defeat against Bayern. And weirdly enough, the fact that it ended 4-2 and not like 4-0 or 5-0. Funnily enough, three or four days later, a 4 to defeat in Bayern, not the worst outcome. So one thing that Bayern, Dortmund have done really well, even they've been substandard this year, is they've brought up their, and this is a huge credit to Edin Terzic, Dortmund have actually brought up their base level of mediocrity, weirdly enough. Yeah. They've brought up Dortmund, the Dortmund this year recovers far better from setbacks. Yeah and doesn't fall apart in this kind of psychologically scarred way that you've seen before. This Dortmund, to quote that, one of the favourite tunes, like, it gets knocked, gets knocked down and it gets over it. Like, that's what it does. And I think, shout out to them for that. Um, and also, while we're shouting at the Bundesliga, Union and Freiburg. So Freiburg winning 4-0 against Schalke to maintain fourth spot. Um, which is a big deal because Leverkusen, who are coming up, I think, unbeaten in 13 in all competitions, beat RB Leipzig, giving Freiburg a bit of room. But in third place, Union, with a 1-0 win away at Gladbach, beautiful volley from Gerardo Becker. The fact, that, the fact that Union Berlin are third in the Bundesliga will always remain absurd. That, that Leverkusen result against Leipzig is it's huge big. for it's, Freiburg. Because it's, it's like, big, it's big, isn't could, it? We could literally see Union and Freiburg in the Champions League next year. Ah. Hook it to my veins. Wow. Wow. Shall we get out of here? Yes, absolutely. That'll do us for now, right? Yes. All right, everyone. Uh, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well. Uh, don't forget the schedule changes this week. Christ House, Wednesday morning and Thursday mid-morning slash lunchtime. Stadio on Friday. And then no Stadio on Monday. Christ House Tuesday and Wednesday and then Stadio on Thursday next week. Um, don't forget to check theringer.com. The loads of great stuff. Check Counterpressed. All your women's football needs and 
detailed breakdowns of the Women's Champions League from this weekend. And check the Stadio Outros players on Spotify, speaking of which we are playing out on. Stay Cool by Jackie Witcherin and John Cartwright, because I think there are a lot of teams and fans, players and coaches who currently need to stay cool. Absolutely. <laughs> Anything you want to have me so on good? Nothing further. All right, everyone, much love. We'll be back with you on Friday. See you then. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.